baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Good evening. Brad Young here at your service on KMOX. Thanks for staying up late with us this evening. We'll be going till 11 o'clock. Lots of things on tap this evening. We've got interviews. We've got stories. We've got fun. We've got games. Uh, And I can give you this promise. In fact... I will give you a money-back guarantee this evening that if you uh, if you don't like anything that I'm talking about for the next three hours, I will personally refund you 100% of what it costs to listen to this show tonight. You've got my personal guarantee on that. Uh, in fact, if you want to send me an email, I love getting emails, and, uh, and the text line is open this evening as well, uh, 314-436-7900. Uh, during the interviews, we won't be taking calls, but otherwise, always, always welcome your calls. Uh, if you want to send me an email, I get emails every time I'm in here on Camo X. Always enjoy uh, hearing from listeners. Be young. That's B Y U N G at harrisdowell.com, H A R R I S D as in David O W E L L.com. And as always, you can listen to Camo X on the 50,000 red hot watts at 11:20 a.m., 98.7 FM or anywhere on the Odyssey app because wherever you go, that's where we go. So you can catch us on any of those platforms. Uh this evening, some news I want to talk about before we get into some interviews as the show unfolds. First of all, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Now that's obviously just a state right to our southwest in Missouri and uh they are actually Paying citizens, and I get this, we've heard all about the unemployment issue. We've heard about states you know, paying with the federal government kicking in an extra 300 bucks a week that for many people, it's actually advantageous to not work because you can get almost as much money sitting at home, you know, watching uh, daytime television uh, as you could going to work. Well, now Oklahoma is actually paying citizens $1,200 to get off of unemployment. In other words, if you get a job or if you'd agree to come off of unemployment, they will pay you $1,200. Now, there, there is an incentive right there. And instead of just drawing more unemployment, they'll pay you money to go out and get a job. So that seems like a win-win. So we might uh, jump into that as the show unfolds this evening. Also, if you've heard me talk in the past about uh, all of the problems that California had with churches during COVID. And here's essentially the problem. The state of California was coming in, even when there when there were some guidelines about how you could socially distant and wear a mask and all of that. Basically, California said, if you're a church, you cannot be open, period. I mean, it was a little more complicated than that, but that was the bottom line. They didn't want churches to be open during COVID. And it was it was odd because other businesses were open, 
Casinos were open like in Nevada. Uh, I think in California, you could go get a tattoo. You could go to a massage parlor. You could do all of these other things, but you couldn't go to church. Nope, we're going to shut that down. So they sued. And uh, what's interesting is, is that today the state of California uh, headed up by our own favorite uh, Gavin Newsom, who's facing a recall election. They've agreed to settle with one particular church. They're going to pay them $1.3 million to reimburse them for their attorney's fees. Now, listen, I'm always in favor of lawyers getting paid. I mean, that is, that's always a good thing. And I'm teasing, okay? But it's always a good thing. And at least that's what my wife always tells me to say. So uh, $1.3 million to the church, going to their attorneys. God bless them. And I mean that literally. Uh, they stood up to California, and now they're getting their legal fees refunded. So that is that is a good thing. Now, speaking of uh, stimulus checks, and I mentioned that with the unemployment benefits, I'm seeing reports today. I don't know if you've checked this out or not, but the Democrats in Washington, D.C. are going to propose yet another stimulus check for most Americans. Now, you know, who doesn't want to go to their mailbox or check their online bank statement and all of a sudden, poof, there's another 1400 bucks in there? I mean, who would say no to that? Of course, it's a good thing. But the question is, is that a good idea for our country? So the Democrats are, are wanting to send out another stimulus check to Americans. But you know, there's a couple of questions. If you've looked, if you've looked around at the hiring numbers, there are millions, millions of open jobs right now, then they can't fill them. They can't fill them with people because people are more interested in getting unemployment benefits than working. So they can't do that. The economy is on the upswing. Stock market is hitting all-time highs. Again, open job positions right and left. Uh, essentially, if you've got a pulse today, you can get a job. I mean, that's the only requirement at some of these places. Yeah, I'm sorry. We we don't hire zombies. You've got to have a pulse. I mean, oh, that's about the only requirement at some of these places. And yet now we're seeing a push for yet another stimulus check. Boy, uh, I don't know about that. So we're going to talk about those issues. We're going to talk about some Supreme Court issues today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, just lots of issues dealing with the IRS and foreign nationals. Lots on the plate this evening. Glad you're with us here on KMOX. But coming up after the break, we'll talk to County Councilman Ernie Trakis about his plan to jumpstart code enforcement in St. Louis County to combat abandoned property and trash dumps and all the things that we just have been ignoring during COVID. We're going to talk to Councilman Ernie Trakis right after this on KMOX. Don't go away. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, if you think about it, issues have a priority. I mean, if your house is burning down, you're you're no longer worried about whether the living room carpet is faded, okay? Because it's all of a sudden it's not an issue. So over the past year, I think uh, correctly, we've been pretty much focused on combating COVID and recovering from COVID. But now that we're seeing that light at the end of the proverbial COVID tunnel, it's really time to start focusing on other issues. So joining us this evening is uh, St. Louis County Councilman Ernie Trakis. Uh, Councilman Trakis, welcome back to KMOX. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Always good to speak with you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you as well. 
Uh, this week, you announced a plan to introduce legislation seeking to hire additional attorneys to work for the county in the area of code enforcement. But before we get into all those details, what are some of the code enforcement issues that are that you see, at least, that are plaguing St. Louis County? Well, the, um, the bill I introduced uh, was based on a request of the county counselor for five additional attorneys. I, my bill increases that by two to seven. The two additional attorneys would be um, designated exclusively for uh, problem property um, enforcement actions. And by that, I mean whether it's um, unlawful dumping in North County or what's more prevalent in my district is um, properties that have been allowed to fall into disrepair and owned by absentee owners or even if they're resident owners, they're not complying with county code ordinances. And in, so, in some cases, they've got, this has gone on literally for years, Brad. So we need to take a hard line with it. And that's these, these lawyers is the first step in a uh, multi-step plan I have to try and do that. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot. It's been reported quite a bit over the past few weeks about the, the, the dumping issue in Wellston and in other areas. I think that's been covered mm-hmm. quite a bit. But what, for, at least from your constituents that, are, that have brought this up to you, what are some of the problems with absentee owners? Because I know someone may be sitting there thinking, well, what's the big deal? Somebody owns a house next door. Uh, there's nobody in it. Why is that a problem? So what, what have your constituents been telling you is, is a problem mm-hmm. with some of these absentee owners? Well, in in the classic example that you've just cited, a house that's empty has fallen into disrepair and is, frankly, just a blight on the community. Mm -hmm. That's one example. Another example would be an absentee owner who's leasing his property um, but not maintaining it. And um, the uh, renter certainly is not obligated to do the maintenance. And um, in other instances, we have um, owners of properties that are running businesses um, improperly and in, in the violation of county ordinances out of their home, whether it's automobile repair or other types of uh, work like that. And then um, in other instances, we have commercial enterprises that are allowing their operations to bleed out into residential areas adjoining that property. And um, but again, violating code ordinances with impunity. In some of these instances, Brad, and I'm not being hyperbolic here, these matters have gone on in municipal court for seven, eight years wow. with these owners owners being allowed to make nominal progress and then the courts um, giving them uh, another six months and another six months. And so my goal is to put an end to that. The first step is hiring lawyers and the creation of a dedicated unit within the counselor's office to deal exclusively, exclusively with the prosecution of problem property violations. Yeah, and I want to get into those nuts and bolts. We're talking to uh, St. Louis County Councilman Ernie Trake. I said a lot of times these types of code violations are called nuisance violations, but, you know, I, I don't like that term because nuisance violation makes it seem like they're not very important. But these are the kind of issues that if you've got this uh, abandoned property on your block and it drives down the value of your home and it attracts animals and it it, uh, it it just irks at you every day when you drive by that abandoned property. This is the kind of stuff that drives homeowners crazy, isn't it? 
And rightly so, Brad, and, and that's exactly correct. They, th- these folks are maintaining their property. They have every right to expect to be able to live in a community that um, the properties are at least maintained. And, and when we have uh, chronic violators that year in and year out allow the property to fall into disrepair or try to operate an, an unauthorized business out of the house or some other type of violation, the the, uh, the neighbors in that community on that street have every right to be outraged mm-hmm. at the county's failure to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. And and I'm glad that you're stepping up to the plate and, and doing something about this. And and your proposed solution about hiring an additional two attorneys over what the county counselor's office had recommended, your solution, yeah. your solution is hiring more attorneys. But folks may wonder how on earth is hiring two more attorneys? How is that going to help combat these code enforcement issues? So what's your idea with this? Well, here here's I'm going to try to make it as as easy to follow as possible. Basically, what what we have right now is what's called a problem property unit. Now, that unit um, is comprised of employees with the Department of Transportation and Public Works, um, law enforcement from the St. Louis County Police Department, occasionally Department of Health, and the counselor's office. Now, the Public Works um, employees, the um, police officers, routinely um, are are permanently assigned or assigned for, for significant periods of time. So they're very familiar not only with the code, but the violators and which areas and which, prob, which properties um, need attention. Um, where we've been dropping the ball is the counselor's office um, rotates folks in and out of the property, problems property unit, problem properties unit. And so we're constantly having to deal with a learning curve. I want to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to model it after... Um, other cities and counties where we have a designated problem properties unit within the counselor's office. These attorneys, both of them, that would be their full-time job. Um, Seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, So they're very familiar with the code. They're very familiar with the properties and the owners and the problem. And so that they're not going to be easily misled at a hearing in front of the municipal court. And the last piece, Brad, and, and in my opinion, the most important, because where these balls get dropped all the time is in municipal court. So I intend to, uh, and actually, I've actually got um, <clears throat> it in the works right now, to uh, undertake a summit with myself, the county counselor, Beth Orwick, a representative from the county executive's office, and the director of the muni courts. And my goal is to establish uh, a municipal, a problem properties court within the municipal court. And that may be a once a month docket um, or whatever. But what again, the goal is to make sure the judges are fully advised in the premises and fully educated in what these problems are so that when we have a chronic offender, at some point, the judge is going to have to draw the line. Yeah, it seems to me like and that it, would that would really reduce this this problem that I've seen, which is you've got uh, these repeat offenders who come maybe before a different judge. They think it's not that exactly. big of a deal. But if all this was in a dedicated court, much like what we see with drug courts or family exactly. courts, where they're they're dedicated to a specific topic and it increases the court's effectiveness to deal with that particular issue. Exactly, Brad, because if you can imagine, if you have a new county counselor and a new judge, they're not going to be familiar with, with this offender, how many times he's been there necessarily, and are they going to be prepared to draw the line? 
we need to address that. Once that's addressed and when the penalty is appropriate, once one or two or three of these people wind up having to be sentenced to jail time, I can assure you, you're going to see a fundamental change in mm-hmm. um, compliance. Yep, consequences. As it, as, right. As it, as it stands now, those consequences are never imposed. Boy, that's 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 an excellent point. We're talking to St. Louis County Councilman Ernie Trakas, and and I want to ask you this: Does does this proposal, this idea that you've had, not only add attorneys but make this dedicated court to this particular issue, how much support do you think this has with other members of the county council? That's hard to say. I um, I don't know. Um, I know that, and you may recall this, Brad. About three or four weeks ago, I had um, bills on the agenda that were, would have authorized the county counselor's office to retain outside law firms to represent the county in employment and race discrimination cases that have been filed by detainees or their families at the um, Justice Center and by employees by, of the police department and, and other employees in the county. Well, the council refused to pass those bills. So now we are left with the reality that the county counselor's office has to undertake the defense of those lawsuits. Now, this is not to say that the counselor's office is not competent to do so, but, but the point on those suits is they are very specialized, um, and, and it always is a benefit to have highly experienced lawyers doing it. Well, we don't have a, a, a great number of highly experienced lawyers in the counselor's office, so my plan, by adding five lawyers to the general um, work of the counselor's office will free up more senior people to focus on these um, serious litigation matters so that we can at least hope to mount a, an aggressive defense against these lawsuits, as we would have if, had we been able to hire outside counsel. But, um, and we're not talking about that much money, Brad. I think total is under $400,000. Um, and so the, the idea that, that we shouldn't stand for defending the county is I just don't understand how someone cannot be behind this. Well, uh, I'm glad I'm behind this. I'm behind this and I'm glad that you are. And I'm going to be following this closely because this affects all of St. Louis County. And it it's, it's an issue that really has been ignored for a very long time, particularly over the past year. So I'm glad that you're finally uh, uh, lighting a fire under this particular issue and drawing attention to it. Uh, St. Louis County Councilman Ernie Trakis, uh, thanks for coming on this evening with us on Camo X. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate the opportunity to tell your listeners uh, about this, and hopefully we'll get support for it. Great. Hope to talk to you soon. Okay, Brad. Take care. And uh, Councilman Trakis joins us this evening on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. We'll be back uh, right after this with more of Camo X at your service. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Friday night, the Cards open a three-game homestand against the Cubs. And you can hear it here. Hammond pregame show 620. First pitch 715 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, listen, have you felt 
different after the past year of working from home or being separated from family or friends? Of course you have. And joining us to discuss the mental and physical impact of COVID is Charlie Jaffe. She's the best-selling author of Turning Crisis into Success. Charlie Jaffe, thanks for joining us this evening on CAMOX. Happy to be here. I'm glad you could make time for us this evening. Uh, at, at the risk of being called Captain Obvious here, th- this past year has obviously taken its toll on everyone. So what have you seen personally in terms of how COVID has over the past year impacted folks, whether it's socially, emotionally, or even physically? How have you seen that? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty dramatic across the board. And I, you know, a lot of my work is with young adults bereaved um, by COVID-19. So that's obviously a really extreme version of it with the, the COVID grief network. But even those of us who haven't been sort of directly hit with huge losses or haven't been really sick, we've had our, our way of life completely changed. We're social, we're social creatures. We are wired for connectivity and we've been in a place of much more isolation. So when we look at mental health, you know, the CDC had done some research over the summer where when we look at young adults, one in four had seriously considered taking their own lives. If, if you look at all adults, it's, it's one in 10. Mm. We've gone through a huge amount of collective trauma. And that's not something that just turns off when the, you know, when the masks comes off and, and the world reopens. So some of us have been stuck inside our house and a little bit more sedentary. We've had, you know, with kids at home, far more stress for a lot of us, um, trying to manage all these different things, huge amounts of economic stress. So essentially every aspect of our well-being to varying degrees mm-hmm. has been challenged. And those who are the most vulnerable among us have generally been hit the hardest. So it's been a, a huge time for developing coping mechanisms for sure. You know, you mentioned stress and depression, but but those things aren't just emotional issues. Those can also have a, a physical impact as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like when we look at stress and, and depression, that that affects our heart health. That affects you know our energy, our ability to exercise and and get outside. Um, it affects every aspect of our system. You know, when we think of physical health, there's all these different um, stressors and levers. So when our stress goes up and when our mental health goes down, whatever vulnerabilities we we have, and we all have different vulnerabilities within our system, it just really pushes the pressure onto that. So it affects everyone differently, but it absolutely affects us all. We're talking to uh, Charlie Jaffe. She's a crisis counselor and a best-selling author of Turning Crisis into Success. And one of the things that's impacted me, and, uh, and not that I'm unique, it's impacted all of us, but just this idea to, that we need to have our relationships with others or improve relationships with others. So how, how has that been impacted by the isolation of whether we're working from home or our inability just to get together with our friends and family? Yeah, it's honestly, it's been tough. Like the, we have Zoom, we have these screens for those of us who are lucky enough to, you know, be, have access to technology like this, but it's, it's not the same as holding our loved ones close of feeling that physical connection. Um, and you know, I will say for some people, it really has shown, you know, coming out of this, we're not going to have the same relationships. There are mm-hmm. certain relationships that we thought were rock solid um, that really fell to the wayside or really hit some hard 
hard points. There's also relationships that we didn't think were as close and as central. And, and we found, hey, we're actually far more, our values are more aligned or, or this person really showed up for me and I can show up for them. So it's almost like a scattering across the board and a, and a culling for a lot of people to really look at, okay, coming back into it, who do I want to stay close with? How, how fast do I want to live my life? Do I actually want to have the level of activity I once had? And for a lot of people, the answer to that is no. Um, and there can be a lot of shame and anxiety and guilt around that. Um, but we're going through a huge experience and the idea of comparing ourselves of someone else has it worse. So I shouldn't feel like this, or it's open. So I should be able to just dive right in. It only hurts us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that being able to, to look at it and put it in context and have, have more self-compassion around it and realize that we're going to also make some hard decisions about relationships. Not all our relationships are going to last um, into this new phase of life. And that change is really hard in the short term, but in the long term, it can actually be really, really healthy for us to see where we have some relationships that aren't aligned. Well, that actually leads me right into my next question. Of course, we're talking to Charlie Jaffe, best-selling author of Turning Crisis into Success. But now that it looks like we're, we're at least starting to move out of COVID issues, what strategies can people employ to put these COVID-related stressors and issues behind them? How, what, what, what can we do to put this behind us? That's a great question. So I think one piece is just understanding it's not going to be behind us as quick as quickly as we'd like. Um, and not to say that in a, in a negative way by any means, but to really set our expectations because disappointment is a gap in expectations. Um, so if we think that it's going to change instantly and um, things will all go back to normal very quickly, we're going to find ourselves very disappointed. And if we try and jump in too quickly for not for everyone, but for a lot of us, jumping in too quickly can actually be one step forward, four steps backwards. Hmm. So what I would say is finding those small steps that, that fit your, that fit you um, and being able to think of it as almost like slowly building a foundation rather than just trying to dive right in. Um, and sometimes it may be like, you know, I feel ready to go hang out with a lot of people and this is amazing. You know, I'm vaccinated and I, or you know, I feel <laughs> safe. Um but you, that same person could on another day be like, oh, this actually feels overwhelming. Um, and so recognizing that there has to be a little dis- discernment and nuance. You're not going to necessarily feel the same day to day. And so you know, when we look at you know, forms of therapy um, and we look at exposure therapy for folks with phobias who are really trying to, to get over things, one of the key pieces is you have to push outside your comfort zone. If you're just going to stay comfortable in your hole, nothing's going to change but you can't push too far too quick. Um, it's, it's that kind of like uh, not too hot, not too cold, just right. And your just right may not be the same um, from day to day and week to week. So being able to reflect and have people that you can talk to and that you can trust to, to process this. You know, journaling is really great and helpful, but being able to connect with people and be seen in the discomfort or the joy, you know, being like, I feel guilty. I'm not having a hard time at all. Um, Being able to have that connection, whether it's in person with other people or on the phone, um, but finding our sources of support as we make our way forward and recognizing this is not linear. um, And it's okay that we're going to feel the remnants of this for a while. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Growth only happens with a great amount of discomfort. And so, 
trying to recognize that some of the pain we might be feeling are actually growing pains, growing pains and, and taking us to a deeper, more meaningful place maybe than we've ever been. Well, you, you make that point, I think, in your book, Turning Crisis into Success, because uh, in your book, which I've read, you chronicle how emotional fitness can be harnessed by entrepreneurs to achieve success. And I was reminded of, of, of Disney World, or Disney has what it calls the Disney way, where, where Disney employees are actually trained to look for a crisis situation and then flip them into opportunities for success because people go away changed when they see that happening. So I guess my question is, is it possible for us to look at at COVID in the same way as an opportunity to grow or thrive since we've been through such a great crisis? I think it's a really great question. And my answer would be yes and no. Um, I would say yes in that there are so many opportunities where we can grow and we can learn from this. Um, But those opportunities are not equal across the board. And recognizing that there are quite literally millions of fellow Americans who have lost loved ones um, and who've gone through a really traumatic type of loss. And so just being conscientious of, you know, well, while some of us get to focus on like, how do we grow and transform uh, in a really positive way for this? This is something that is going to haunt a lot of people, um, you know, forever. And, and the healing process from that, not that there won't be healing and growth, but being able to at the same time hold these opposites hold the possibility of how do I look for the opportunity in this? How do I look for the way in which my life can grow and change or how our society has had to look at some really hard stuff and how we can grow and change while at the same time holding space and respect for the, the pain and the harm that has been caused. It can be very tempting to want mm-hmm. to put it easily in a couple of boxes or like a clean box but the the most truthful reality and the one that can help us grow and evolve while still being really deeply connected and in meaningful relationships is being able to see both at once and hold both at once, which is, mm. I will admit, easier said than yeah, done. Yeah, very tough. Hey, we're talking to Charlie Jaffe, best-selling author of Turning Crisis into Success. And last question for you this evening. You've been very generous with your time. Thank you. Uh, I grew up in the 1970s when the when the view towards mental and emotional health issues, I think, could be summed up in four words. Snap out of it. And uh, are, are we moving beyond this simplistic view towards mental health? Absolutely. Yeah, I would say before the pandemic, we already were there was so much movement in that direction. And you can kind of see it when you look at attitudes amongst, you know, Gen Z, younger folks compared to, um, you know, older, older generations, the attitudes towards therapy, the attitudes towards discussing it um, have totally transformed. But I would say that the pandemic has been this pressure cooker where many, many people who've never really experienced really serious mental health challenges now have got a taste for it. And so that actually has the possibility to develop a lot more empathy uh, amongst, amongst our peers, amongst our communities, but also it's forced the conversation. It's no longer one that's off to the side. Um, we all know people, we've, we already all know people sure. who struggled with mental health, but because it's been amplified so greatly, um, you know, today actually is uh, Mental Health Action Day through MTV uh, launched a huge campaign. And so we have 
government officials, celebrities across the board, people are having this conversation in a way we've never had before. And I think we're all going to be a lot better for the fact that we are looking at these hard places because so much of what we're looking for and so much of what we want is hiding behind the things we try to avoid. And mental health is absolutely one of those things that we try to avoid. Um, So I personally am thrilled to see that the conversation is happening in such a a more open way and and that we're getting more nuance and understanding uh, beyond the suck it up mentality, which research shows does not work. No, you're exactly right. Uh, Best-selling author of Turning Crisis into Success, Charlie Jaffe. Hey, thanks for making time for us this evening on KMOX. My pleasure. Thank you for the questions. They were great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a break here on uh, KMOX at your service. And when we come back from this break, phone lines will be open 314-436-7900. What's on your mind? How have you dealt with COVID? What were some of the stressors that you've felt from COVID, whether it was relationship, uh, economic, physical, mental, spiritual? How has COVID affected you and how do you think you can move forward? Call or text 314 314- 436-7900 here on Camo X at your service on The Voice of St. Louis. Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are The Voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome. Brad Young at your service, literally and figuratively this evening. Thanks for staying up with us here on Camo X. There was, a, there was a case that came down from the Supreme Court this week that has gotten virtually no attention. I, I think I saw mention of it in some uh, written news headlines, no television coverage to speak of that I'm aware of anyway. And, and to me, it's unfortunate, but, but you are going to find this interesting because of what the Biden administration did in response. The case is not that sexy of a case necessarily. It's called Coniglia versus Storm. And what happened is this. Uh, there was a, a guy had a, an argument with his wife. He, the, the wife called the police to say, I think my husband has some mental health issues. He wasn't diagnosed with anything. He wasn't being treated for anything. She just called the cops because they had an argument. So the cops show up. The cops recommend to the guy, you should go to the hospital and get yourself checked out mentally and emotionally. So the guy does it voluntarily. He's not being arrested. He's not being detained. There's no perp walk. There's no handcuffs on the guy. They just He just goes to the hospital to get checked out because the police said you should get checked out. Well, while he's in the hospital getting checked out, the cops go and search his house. And while they're searching his house, they confiscate his guns and they keep them. Now, this isn't a guy who's been diagnosed with any mental illness. He's never been treated for a mental illness. He's simply at the hospital and they take his guns because they're guns. They take them. And so when he gets out, he sues to get these guns back. And the courts had consistently held that this confiscation of this guy's guns, the confiscation with no warrant, no probable cause, he hadn't threatened anyone with these guns. The courts ruled that the seizure of these weapons were, was lawful. Even under the Constitution, it was a lawful seizure. Now, here's the reason why I think this case has merit to discuss. Because when it goes up to the Supreme Court, the Biden administration files what's called 
an amicus brief, which is a fancy way of saying a friend of the court. Other parties are entitled to file briefs with the court. So the Biden administration files this brief with the Supreme Court in support of confiscating guns with no warrants. Now, this isn't this is different than what's called the red flag laws, where if someone is is uh, uh, being diagnosed with some sort of a, a mental illness that could cause danger to themselves or others, there's some procedures by which you can confiscate guns. There was no red flag law here, no diagnosed condition. So the Biden administration argues it should be OK to confiscate your guns with no probable cause, no warrant, no judge. No uh, uh, checks and balances on the police. The police power should just have, they should just be able to have the power to come and confiscate your guns if you're involved in any sort of an argument. Now, they placed it a lot fancier language than this, but that's essentially what was being argued by the Biden administration. Here's what's interesting. The Supreme Court rules 9 to 0, 9 to 0, that this was unlawful. So they couldn't even get Justice Sotomayor on their side to say a warrantless confiscation of guns is okay. Biden administration was fine with it. All nine Supreme Court justices said no. And that's why this case has merit, because it shows you, I think, what the Biden administration thinks about their ability to take your guns. To me, that's problematic. Hey, we're going to be talking about some other cases in the next hour. Phone lines are open, though, 314-436-7900 here on At Your Service on Camo X. We'll be right back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 